Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshayim at Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion of Hukat. When is the time for a great leader to step aside for the next generation of leadership? In the 60s, there was a song called Abraham, Martin, and John. And my guess is, is that you are probably not familiar with it. Yeah, you stumped me on that one. It sounds really catchy. Can you sing a little bit for me? Anybody here seen my old friend Abraham? So I'll stop there because I don't <laughs> want it. But it's actually much, it, it was done by Dion. So it's actually a pretty, pretty famous song. So wow. I would commend it to you listening. But the lyrics are basically this. It's about Abraham Lincoln, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and and John Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And they all have something in common. They were all beloved leaders and they all died too young. And it's it's lament. It was it came out, I think, not all that long after um Dr. King was killed. Basically, you know, the, the lyrics go, you know, he see my old friend Martin, can you tell me where he's gone? He freed a lot of people, but it seems the good they die young. I just looked around and he's gone. And then it goes on to say, didn't you love the things they stood for? And I think, I think it's a pretty powerful, pretty powerful piece and, and a lament. And in a sense, if you kind of look through history, many of great leaders did die young or they were cut down. Uh, and Moses is one of those, although he doesn't die young, he's not allowed to go into the promised land. And that's that's what happens in in the portion of Hukat. I imagine that you wonder from time to time, since you're working on a book on King, you know, what would have happened if he would have lived? I, I think about that a lot. And in fact, I've spoken to some of King's friends about that very question. And a lot of them felt surprisingly to me that he might not have been so celebrated. He might not have been the great teacher that he is for us today if he had lived longer. It's very hard for a rebel, for a revolutionary, for a saint or for a prophet to to mellow with old age and to get away with it, right? His his image would have changed. It would have softened. It would have been reflected more by the times. You know, how would he have navigated the 70s? What if his marriage didn't hold up? What if some scandal befell him? Or if the movement fell apart and he... Um, no longer knew how to lead. You know, I feel like some of these people we're talking about, they die because they are um, such powerful leaders and, and society can't handle um, them and doesn't know how to deal with them. And we end up, you know, seeing them um, assassinated. But the other question is, how do you evolve as a leader when the movement you're leading changes, when the when the thing you're fighting for, the goal has either been achieved or the, you know, the or the, the, the goal line has shifted. Um, and, and those are questions that, you know, King and Kennedy and, and Lincoln never really had to deal with. A great leader can be a victim of their greatness. In other words, they start something and this larger idea takes hold, but it's one point or another, new leadership is needed. New ideas are needed. New approaches are needed. And that the leader who originated the idea is not moving the uh, moving the enterprise forward, but actually holding the enterprise back because they become more focused on holding on to power than on the larger ideals. So that's a very interesting aspect of leadership, don't you think? 
Yeah, and it takes a, it's a rare leader who can recognize that and can recognize that they're holding their organization or their movement back and realizes that it's time to step aside because egos get involved and because power accrues and you feel like, you know, it's taken me all of this time to build up this power. How can I let it go? That's, you know, a really tricky thing. And maybe that's um, something I wonder if Moses was wise enough to see that he didn't need to make it to the promised land to have fulfilled his responsibilities. I, I think that that's a, that's a fascinating question. And let's just think about what happens in the portion. Miriam dies in this portion of Chukat, Moses' sister, and he and Aaron are in their tent. They are mourning. There's, there's a kind of an early equivalent of sitting Shiva. But meanwhile, outside, the people are thirsty. They want water. For whatever reason, water is scarce at this particular moment, and they are crying out for water. And Moses is going to have to get up from his uh, seat of mourning, and he's going to have to deal with it. And he is furious. He's furious for lots of things. He's furious about the fact that this generation isn't going down into the promised land. He's tired of the rebellions. He's tired of the complaining. And he lets loose. You know, God says, speak to the rock, and the water will come forward. But Moses doesn't do that. He takes the staff that the sea was split with, and he hits the rock and begins to curse the Israelites and call them rebels. And, and his anger is so clear and visceral. And it's at this moment that God basically says that Joshua is going to lead. You're not going to lead the people into the promised land. And what's interesting, and this now kind of is a long-winded way of getting back to your question, Moses doesn't protest. Moses doesn't say, God, are you kidding? Are you kidding? You know, I went down into Egypt. I risked my life for Pharaoh. He has a pretty significant resume of things that he's done, and yet he doesn't do it. He accepts it. And with one exception in the book of Deuteronomy where he, where he says he sort of blames the people for all of this, we don't hear this from Moses. We don't hear him complaining. He accepts it. And in some ways, he's sort of like an early version of George Washington. Moses is not the king. His children are not going to be the next in line for the throne. Joshua is going. It's going to be a meritocracy, if you will, you know, based on faith. And that's a really interesting moment about a leader needs to always do what's best for the people, even if it has a cost to you. Yeah, and that's isn't that exactly what King said too in, in, in his last speech? He said, I've seen the promised land and I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that you know we as a people will get to the promised land. And so it was the people that, that mattered and he saw that this was not about himself. So King, who obviously was a clergy person who knew the Bible intimately, he saw himself as the creator of a movement for freedom, he clearly saw himself walking in the shoes of Moses. And at that particular moment, knowing you know, that their dangers were lurking everywhere, whether it was the FBI or anything else, he actually you know, refers to Moses in this speech in Memphis. And so it's such a powerful image of what leadership really is. You know, a, great, a leader must love his people or her people and be willing to make the sacrifices necessary, even if that means to step down from leadership. George Washington's a great example of that as well. That's right. And I think these men, 
probably took great comfort from the story of Moses. I know that King did because he referred to it so often. And, you know, all throughout his leadership, he knew that he was at risk, that he was vulnerable to assassination. There had been many attempts on his life. And I think he took great comfort in knowing that he was following in the footsteps of Moses. The press often compared him. They called him Alabama's Moses, even in the 1950s when he was still just in Montgomery starting the bus boycott. I don't think he took that in in an egotistical way. I think he took it in a very comforting way that the movement was about freedom. It wasn't about himself. And I think that reveals his greatness. And the question in our world is, what's more important? You're continuing on as a leader or the principles that you stand for? And I think that's a question that can be asked in American politics very easily today on both sides of the aisle, on the right and the left. And people who are making all kinds of invidious choices to simply stay in power. Because if I don't stay in power, the the logic goes, then whoever comes after me is going to be worse And so it's really for the good of the people that I'm looking the other way and I'm not standing for my principles. I was going to say, that kind of attitude is really um, insulting. It it shows how little trust you have in the people to to choose their own leaders. Um, If you believe in democracy, if you believe in the people who put you in office, you ought to trust them well enough to make the decisions about who else they're going to put in office. And Moses is understood in our tradition as a great leader right, from uh, as a great rabbi. I think his example, not only for Dr. King, is a good one for us today as well, about what it means to to lead and to go forward and to leave a legacy. And if you go through history, you see that our greatest leaders died before their work was done, whether it's Lincoln or Gandhi or Roosevelt, King or Kennedy you know, the work was there and needed to go on. And, you know, Kennedy is a great example because Johnson picked up the civil rights issues from Kennedy. And actually, it could be argued was more effective in carrying them through than Kennedy might have been because Johnson had such a, an acute understanding of the Senate and its workings that he was able to mastermind the work forward. Joshua, in the case of Moses, was much more, much more adept as a warrior than Moses would have been. In that moment when the people were entering the land, they needed a warrior who was going to lead them, someone who understood military strategy as well. Whoever follows the great leader, if the leader's done their job, then next, the next in line will be able to continue the legacy. I would just add to that and say that it works best, your theory works best when the principles being advocated are principles of freedom, because that's what gets carried forth. It's not the legacy. It's not the, the words of the leader himself. It's the principle of freedom that, that carries forth. And for someone like King, it's some people would argue that he's more powerful as a martyr, because, but it's only because he was martyred for freedom. If, um, Moses hadn't led the people to the promised land. If he had led them into some more repressive society, then his power would have been gone at his death. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I guess our hope and prayer is that we will be blessed with leaders and we'll be wise enough to choose leaders that will have the larger perspective and will not only know the work that needs to be done, but when the time comes to step aside for the next generation. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Abraham and Martin and 